0: Uh, The reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 17 As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. This is the word of God.
1: Let's pray together as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord, help us to see with your eyes and to hear your voice. Speak to us, for your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Through, throughout the book of Exodus that we have been studying, I, I, I think I have discerned a pattern. Whenever Moses is, is presented with a crisis, he, he, he goes to God, he is upset, he doesn't know what to do, and he cries out to God, God responds and tells him what to do. But I find it interesting that unlike those other events that have preceded this one in our passage this morning, in this story where Moses and the people of Israel are fighting the Amalekites, Moses isn't reported as going to God with this problem, with this crisis. There's no report of Moses crying out or or pleading with God. Moses doesn't say, as he said in the story, the last story that we looked at, what am I to do when the people came to him and they, they were threatening him? He says, what am I to do with these people? But he doesn't do that here. And there's no report of God giving Moses any instructions either. Now perhaps Moses did go to God and God responded there at Rephidim, but the text doesn't tell us any of that. It it doesn't say that in the Bible. And sometimes in the Bible, what the text doesn't say is as important as what it does say. In the situation we have before us in this story, it's not a case that Moses has to respond immediately and, and therefore doesn't have time to pray, to talk to God. In the text, as we have it, Moses is calm and he doesn't even respond to the Amalekites' attack until the next day. He has Joshua assemble the troops and go the next day to fight them. So if if Moses can wait a day, surely there's enough time for a dialogue with God as, as he's used to having and as he has done at other times. So my question is, what's going on here? Why is there a lack of dialogue between Moses and God in this story at this point in the bigger story of Exodus. Well, here's my theory. And I wonder if in this passage we aren't being given a glimpse of Moses's godly leadership abilities beginning to grow and to mature. You see, even at the ripe old age of 80, Moses is able to mature in his faith. And in this passage, we, we see evidence of that maturity, of that growing maturity. When it comes to faith, it turns out you can teach any old dog new tricks. That's what we see in Moses, and that's an encouragement to people like me. I see Moses' growing maturity in faith and and leadership in two ways in this passage. Firstly, in Moses' prayer life. And secondly, in Moses' ability to work with others and the ability of others to work with him as he matures in faith. Firstly, Moses' prayer life. By this, in the story, we are told several times that God has spoken to Moses and Moses has spoken to God. We're given reports of this dialogue back and forth. Moses and God have some amazing conversations and some arguments up until now. and They will indeed have some more amazing dialogue as the story of Exodus goes on. But I wonder if at this point in time that the conversations between God and Moses aren't becoming more familiar. They've spent time together. Moses is getting to know God. I would hope that that is true. Moses in the past needed God to show up spectacularly. In his first encounter with God back there in chapter 3, Moses needed God to show up at a burning bush. Otherwise, he would have ignored God altogether. And there we're not told how God spoke or how God spoke previously. But maybe in earlier encounters with God, Moses needed an audible voice from heaven or from the bush in order for him to know it was God speaking. He needed God to respond immediately to his anxious pleas as well. Perhaps what we're seeing in this event here in chapter 17, however, Is Moses beginning to understand how God works? Maybe Moses is responding as he knows God would have him respond to such situations. Maybe he is beginning to see things as God sees them and hear God's constant voice deep in his soul and not from a bush and not out of heaven. Here in Rephidim, Moses clearly and calmly sees the situation. He sees the vulnerable Israelites. And by this point, Moses has learned just how much God cares for these people, despite their grumblings. Moses also sees the Amalekites. He's seen the Egyptians with the same intentions. And he knows how God feels about people who are oppressing his people. Moses sees Joshua. And maybe he sees in Joshua a little bit of himself. And he, comes, he has come to know how God can use someone like Joshua. Just as he's used someone like himself. And Moses sees his staff. He sees this staff that God has given him. He looks down at this thing in his hands. This is what God has given him. What God gave him when he first doubted his own leadership abilities. Through this staff, God had... Proven over and over again to himself and to others. that God can use Moses, even Moses. And so using all the experience of God that Moses has had up until now. And using his God-given powers of leadership. Moses, through prayer in this story, does what he believes God would have him do. But this time, he does it without having to wrestle in prayer. This time, Moses calmly goes up the hill and he holds that well-tried staff high and the children of Israel prevail over the Amalekites. Such reflections in the heart of a veteran saint Like we see here in Moses, which I think are the the backdrop to this passage, are also prayer. Even though they can't be reported in the way other prayers can be recounted as they are recounted in the rest of Exodus. Where God says this and Moses says that. And this type of prayer is, is surely, I believe, a sign of maturity. In the life of a believer like Moses. And I think we need you and I and Moses. We need both kinds of prayer that we see here. We sometimes need God as a burning bush. And God will sometimes show up in that way. We sometimes need to wrestle in prayer, crying out to God for guidance because we don't know what to do. But also, as we grow in faith, God gives us the ability to to know his heart. As we mature, we become able without fleece or spectacular sign to reflect on what God has said in the past and to reflect on what we know of God's heart already. And thus we're able to respond to situations in the way that God would have us respond. So that's the first sign of Moses' maturity that I'm seeing here in his prayer life. But secondly, I think we can also see signs of Moses is maturing faith and his developing of godly leadership abilities in the way that he relies on others to do what he knows God wants done. If nothing else, this, this passage is a great example of teamwork. And we'll see more of this in the next chapter as we look at it next week. Moses sees the situation with God's eyes. But then instead of trying to do everything that needs to be done himself, as we are often tempted to do, he chooses Joshua. God doesn't tell Moses to choose Joshua. At least it isn't reported that way in the text. What is happening here, I think, is that Moses has gained this ability to to spot the people that God can use. Maybe Moses has got to know this young man named Joshua, and he's found in him a reliable follower, first and foremost. And he's also found in him a reliable commander of others. And because Moses so trusts Joshua... He allows Joshua to choose those who will fight the Amalekites. Moses doesn't do the choosing. Of course, Moses doesn't just delegate to Joshua and leave him to it. But Moses also promises Joshua that he will be there with him, on the top of the hill, with the staff of God in his hands. And I'm sure Joshua would have looked up to see Moses sitting there, not just a few times during the battle. Moses sat there because Moses knew Joshua needed encouragement. The encouragement not only of his leader Moses, but of the presence of that staff that speaks of God's presence, of God's authority and of God's power to save as he has done through that staff in the past. And of course, what we see happening in this story wasn't just an encouragement for Joshua and his troops from Moses, their leader. There was a miracle going on here too. When Moses' arms were lifted, the Israelites prevailed, we're told. And when they dropped, the Amalekites Began to take advantage. I love this picture. I found it just yesterday. It's not a famous painting or an etching. But look at Moses' face. He is weary. I can relate. <laughs> but look at the face of. I think that would be Aaron over there. He's looking at Moses, he's looking at Moses. And now enter the two elderly members of the team into our drama. Aaron is three years older than Moses. He's not able to fight alongside Joshua and the younger men. And we don't know much about her, but he too was probably no spring chicken. These two men couldn't fight but they could stand alongside Moses and Aaron and her stand alongside Moses and they watch they watch not just the battle but they watch Moses look at that etching they watch him they watch him not to criticize his leadership Though many in that position, that is what they would be tempted to do. They watch Moses in recognition that God has chosen this man for this job. And so they watch him with concern for his welfare. When his arms fail, they they come to the rescue. They devise that clever plan. They get a stone for him to sit on. They stand on... One on his left and one on his right, and they hold Moses' hands up. This is how they steadied their leader's hands. The word steady here is the same word that we see translated elsewhere in the Old Testament as faithful. Moses remained faithful because of his two teammates who saw his need and who creatively, compassionately and sensitively met that need. And Moses sitting there on the rock to his credit and as a sign of his growing maturity recognizes his own limitations. Moses knows when he is weary. Moses knows when his fatigue is affecting that battle down there in the valley. And Moses is confident enough in his own leadership to let these two other men do what they themselves are called to do. To hold his arms up. And we are told that this, this is how Joshua overcame the Amalekites as we reflect on this story let's think about what this might be saying to each of us I think this passage asks some very pertinent questions to all of us here in bigger Kirk and us as individuals So, uh, in an attitude of prayer now, let's think about these questions. Firstly, what about our prayer life? Are our prayers full of only anxious petitions? Even though petitions are legitimate, sometimes they have to be anxious but are we also through prayer study and experience learning God's heart are we like Moses learning to see life through the eyes of God or are we growing in confidence So that we, too, might calmly respond as we know God would have us respond to the challenging situations that we encounter every day. And secondly, what about our teamwork? In recognition that we are all leaders in one way or another, at the very least, we are moms and Dads and grannies and grandpas and aunts and uncles. But we are also bosses. And we are also elders. Are we like Moses? Leaders who can look down at the staff in our hands. And know that God has called us to this. Are we confident enough to delegate responsibility to folks we know who are also called and able? Do we encourage those under our authority like Moses encouraged Joshua? And have we found the Aaron's and the Hers who we can trust to hold our arms when we are weary? And when we have reached our limitations. And finally, in what situations are we called to be an Aaron or a her? Are there leaders that we should be supporting in that creative, compassionate, and sympathetic way that we see these two saints of? long ago doing in this story. May God bless us with answers to these questions as we continue to reflect on God's word. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.